0: Hebrews chapter 11, two verses of scripture. Today, two verses of scripture that speak about a man, one of the greatest men that's ever graced this planet. An amazing story about his life and he's going to teach us about faith today. We're in this faith chapter preaching on some of the great heroes now we know what faith is its faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen that means that we are certain of things that people cannot see with their natural eyes but they are real yes, yes. for instance do you want a for instance i do <laughs> i cannot see jesus with my eyes but he's alive that's a for instance for you right there. Take that and put it in your piggy bank. He's at the right hand of Father God. I can't see the Holy Spirit. He's invisible, but he's real in my heart today. Cuz he indwells the believer. I can't see angels, but the Bible said in Hebrews 1:14 that he sends angels to minister those who be the heirs of salvation. Christians live by unseen realities. How do I see them if I can't see them with my physical eyes? I put my gospel glasses on. Come on. I put Genesis on. I even put Leviticus on, as hard as it is for some of you. We were teaching in Revelation this morning, chapter 6, and we heard the living creature say, Come! And all of a sudden, those steeds were loosed out. We saw a prophetic. Picture. I better get into this. (laughs) I'm feeling something this morning. How about you? Man, I'm so glad you're here today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5. And now by faith, Enoch. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Now, you're reading a miracle and was not found. They went looking for Enoch. Enoch had made trouble for ungodly people. Enoch was a troublemaker. They they wanted to get rid of him, and then he left, and they were like, Where is this guy? Well, he had gone to heaven. He's going where we're going. Listen, we may get in on some of that too. Notice this he was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. God don't just take anyone. A lot of people claiming a lot of stuff that's never going to happen to them. But it happened to this man. Why? Look at this. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Come on, he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We'll read, the, we'll read in Genesis about Him in a moment. Father, we ask that You bless the Word of God to our hearts today. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need our hearts illuminated. We know that, Lord, that this moment of preaching, according to Your Word, this time That we scatter seed of your word out. Jesus, you said that it's when the enemy comes to steal the seed. It's a time of warfare. Lord, I pray that the enemy, we would not allow him to steal the seed of your word out of our heart. But Lord, let this seed fall on good soil. The good soil that takes hold of it. And that it goes deep and it transforms our lives into lives of yieldedness and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask for your blessing on your servant, and on your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message I've given is Enoch, The Walk of Faith. There have been times on the history of this planet when it was very difficult to serve the Lord. The Bible talks in Timothy about in-season and out-of-season, and that's really what it means There are seasons that it's easier to serve the Lord. There have been seasons in this nation when in times past, even before my day, when we were pretty much a church-going nation. I remember as a little boy, things were closed down. I would ride my bikes in the little shopping center by my grandmother's house on Sunday. And all those shops were closed The clothing shop, everything was closed. Why? Because people, our nation was different, and people, more people went to church. Certainly not everyone, but more people went to church. There was a time when it was a different season. I'm telling you, we're coming into a different season in our nation. And there have been history, in in the long history of this planet, there have been seasons when it has been very difficult to serve the Lord. This is the exact time, a time, a similar time that Enoch lived. Enoch lived in a very dark time on this planet. Enoch lived in the days leading up to the time when God would destroy the planet through flood. Destroy the people of the planet. Every breathing thing he would destroy because of the gross sinfulness in this planet. We looked last week at Abel and we titled the message The the, the Worship of Faith. We saw Abel worship, lost his life for it. Now we look at Enoch and we're going to look at a man who walked with God. Enoch lived in one of the most godly lives during one of the most ungodly times this planet has ever known. As I studied this man, as I look at his life, one of the things that it does to me, it encourages me, and it should encourage you in this no matter how dark the times are, we can live for God. Let me say that again. No matter how dark the times are, you have power on the inside of you, you have nothing to fear. The Lord said through Paul, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but what's he given the church? Power. That's dunamis. Supernatural power. Love. That's agape love. God's love. And a sound mind. That's a a mind that's not panicked in the battle. A mind that's focused. We need to get focused. And Enoch lived that kind of incredible life. I'll tell you this. No matter how dark the times get. People are saying, well this is happening and this is happening and that's happening and this. But I want to remind you, greater is he that's in me, in you. Amen. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Spirit that created the world, hovering over the world in Genesis 1 and 2. The awesome power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1 says that same power lives in you. You can live for God. You can live for God. There's some amazing lessons that Enoch, that the Lord teaches us through Enoch. One is that he walked with God. Another is that he pleased God. Those two terms are synonyms. They're synonymous. He walked with God. He pleased God. He also spoke for God. Enoch has something to say. And then lastly, he was taken away by God. That's amazing. Think about the dark days leading up to the flood. They were days that were unparalleled. You know what the Lord said? Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to get dark again. We need to get ready. We need to get our kids ready. Those days were unparalleled in gross wickedness and iniquity. Here's what the Lord said. Genesis 6 and 5. And the Lord saw the wickedness of man. It was great in the earth. And that the intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. They literally, the lights had gone out on them morally, spiritually, In most people on the planet, they were literally given over to such evil. That was, they, they were reprobate and they were abominable and there was no hope for them. They had turned their hearts completely away from God. And then verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. You've read... And I won't read it for time's sake, because we've got a little bit of territory to cover. But Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 through 32, you read of that portion of Scripture. And many believe that, that Paul is describing through all those lists of gross, wicked sins, he's describing the, the world right before the flood. And that's how it was. And during those dark days... It was a man named Enoch. Think about it. Dark days. Man's heart becoming so wicked and vile that it's almost unspeakable. And yet it was during those dark days there was a man named Enoch who came to faith in God. Here's what we read in Genesis. The Genesis passage. Genesis 5, 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Now, you remember who Methuselah was. Every Sunday school kid knows that he's the oldest man who ever lived, but that's not quite true because Enoch is still living. He's over 4,000 years old, and his buddy Elijah up there with him. He begot Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. He had sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now think about, what are the striking things about his life? One is very evident. It says it over and over again. When you think of Enoch, over and over again in Scripture, what we notice is this. First of all, he walked with God. He walked with God. Now listen, that's what the Word of God says. This is what God's testimony of this man is. Here's a man in a very dark season who walked with me. It's God's testimony. It's the testimony of this book. I'm going to tell you what I feel about that. I don't think there is a greater thing that can be said about a man or a woman than this right here. Pastor walks with God. Youth pastor, he walks with God. Children's minister pastor walks with God. My dad walks with God. My mom walks with God. My Sunday school teacher walks with God. Our deacons are men that walk with God. Our women in the church, they walk with God. There's nothing greater that can be said about someone than they walk with God. But what does that mean? He walks with God. I think to walk with God, you have to first meet God. God. Did you hear that? To walk with God, we have to meet God. And the reason we have to meet God is that we're born into a world full of sin. We're born with hearts turned away from God. We're born in Adam's race, which is a fallen race. In your own time, read Genesis 5. Enoch was the seventh from Adam. The seventh listed in the the genealogy. And he's listed there in Adam's race. But there's another race I need to get in. I need to get out of Adam's race. And I need, to, I need to get in Jesus' race. I need to get out of Adam's kingdom. And I need to get in God's kingdom. How does that happen? I don't know that Enoch lived as ungodly as the world around him. I don't think he did. But that doesn't matter. Everyone needs Jesus. The boy and girl was been raised in church. That doesn't save them. They have to be born again. Some boy that's never been in church. Some boy and girl never, mom and dad never took them to Sunday school. They need to be born again. The businessman that has an Ivy League education. That makes six and seven figures, he needs Jesus just like any man. The alcoholic down on Skid Row needs Jesus. Why? Because all his sin has come short of the glory of God. Enoch was like that. To walk with God, you first have to meet God. What happened to Enoch? Now I want you to listen closely over the next five minutes. What happened to Enoch? What happened when he was 65 years of age that literally changed the entire course of his life and changed his entire eternity? Something dramatic, dynamic happened in his life where he was completely transformed. And from that moment, he walked with God 300 years. What happened? Notice it with me. Enid lives 65 years and begot Methuselah. After, verse 22, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Now, I know Sister Enoch was in on that too, So, but I mean, you know how the Bible is. It's like when my wife had our four girls, I beat my chest and said, look what I did. She didn't appreciate that a bit. After he begot Methuselah, he walked with God. As you add up the ages, Genesis 5, you you have to go back to this. As you add up the ages of Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah, when their eldest sons were born... You've got 187 plus 182 plus 500. Then you have the 100 years between Genesis 5.32 and Genesis 7.11. I know you got all that, right? Okay. You get a total of 969 years. If you take the creation of Adam as year one, and you calculate the record in Genesis 5, what you discover is Methuselah was born in the year 687 from the creation of Adam. If we add 969 to 687, you get a total of 1656. That's the number the day that Methuselah died. Noah was born on 1056 from the creation of Adam. Since Noah was 600 years old, When the flood came, Genesis 7, 6. This means the flood came in the year 1656. Now think with me a moment. Now this is speculation, but it sounds right to me. Enoch, 65 years of age. And at 65, Methuselah is born. And from that moment that Methuselah was born, for 300 years, this man walked with God. The name Methuselah strongly suggests that there was some type of revelation of coming judgment that was given to Enoch some way. We don't know what it was. That awakened his heart and caused him to turn to God. Thomas Newberry says that when Methuselah means when he is dead, it will come. That's listed in Arthur Pink's commentary on Genesis. He lists Newberry. The name Methuselah, when he is dead, it will come. And when you calculate the numbers and you realize that flood came and destroyed the world in the very year that Methuselah died, then you kind of get a little insight of what happened. And I believe that's what happened. That God gave Enoch a revelation of judgment. And isn't it striking that that Methuselah lives longer than any man recorded. He lives longer than any man. What does that say to us? It says the same thing Peter says. God is not willing that any should perish. God's waiting and God's tearing and maybe the coming of the Lord is tearing now because God is his heart wants to save those that are lost. He is not willing that any should perish but all come to eternal life. Enoch walked with God. The name Enoch means dedicated one. And as I looked at his life, this man is amazing. He walked with God 300 years. Now we read that and we're numb to it. We read it and we're desensitized to it. If you had walked with God from three, for 300 years today, if today you said, I walk with, I've i walked with God 300 years, let me, just, let me give you perspective what 300 years is. If you had walked with God 300 years, that would take us back to the year 1719. What happened on 1719? The first recorded display of the the Aurora Borealis in the New England colonies, first time. Daniel Defoe wrote Robinson Crusoe. The oldest life insurance company in the Netherlands, in the world, was founded in 1719. Britain, Hanover, Saxony, and Poland, and Austria signed an anti-Prussian Russian pact. King George the First is on the throne of England. Peter the Great is the Tsar in Russia. And Bach is alive and composing his music. That's what was happening 300 years ago. Enoch walked with God 300 years It makes me happy, but it makes me sad as well to think how unfaithful believers are today. And here's a man who walked with God faithfully 300 years. He walked with God. To walk with God means you've got to meet God. How do you meet God? Well, the Bible says that we meet him, of course, through the person of Jesus. Secondly, to walk with God means you believe what God's revealed about himself. Hebrews says he that comes to God must believe that he is And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Bible faith is faith in a person. A living God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. The great three in one. The Trinity. We don't serve idols. Thou shalt not have any gods or any idols before you. We don't set up idols. We don't worship statues. We don't worship people. Why? Our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship Him. How do we meet God? How do we know God? We know Him through His Son. One way. The only way. No other name given under heaven among men. But Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ. Now I know. Listen to this verse out of the NIV. I know some people rag on the NIV. One of the clearest... One of the most awesome verses that I've ever read of who Jesus is is found in John 1 and 18. It reads like this in the NIV. No one has ever seen God but the the one and only Son who is Himself God. You think the NIV is weak? Jesus is God. He's not some equal to Michael, the archangel. He's not the devil's brother, some false religion. He is the very Son of God. He's eternal Son of God. Born 2,000 years ago to the virgin. Lived a perfect, sinless life. Died on the cross. Buried in the grave. Three days up. Ascended 40 days later. He is at the right hand of God. He is God the Son. Saving, healing, delivering. And by the way, He's coming back again. Glory to God. Think about this. No one has seen God but the only, only Son who is Himself God in closest relationship with the Father has made Him so known. When I see Jesus, I see God. When I hear the words of Jesus, I hear God's words because He is God's Son. God has given us a great book. And in its pages we discover who God is, what His plan is, and what He expects from our lives. Enoch believed that God existed It so transformed his life that he lived for God 300 years. I believe the truth of Scripture. How about you? I believe God created the world and everything in it. I believe that because the Bible said. I believe that man fell, plunged the world into sin and death. I believe the devil is real, an enemy of God and God's people. I believe that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, born of the virgin, lived a holy life, died on the cross, paid for man's sin, sin penalty, and to bring us back to God. I have faith in what Jesus has done as the only way to be saved. Anything else is a false hope. I believe heaven is the destiny of the saved, and I believe hell is the destiny of those who reject God and His offer of eternal life. I believe, according to Scripture, that judgment is coming to this world. I believe that Jesus will come and rescue His church, and I believe that Jesus will return. I believe what the Word of God says. I believe that we serve a living God. Must believe that he is. To walk with God means I've got to meet God. To walk with God means I believe what God has revealed in his word about him. That he, who he is. And then to walk with God means that we seek to live in unbroken fellowship with him. Do you know how Enoch lived? He walked with God. Here's a man that truly walked close to God. Jesus spoke to us about abiding in the vine. H.C. Leopold said this, and I quote, To walk with God means to develop unbroken communion and fellowship with God. The phrase means to walk with God, to live with God, to have the most intimate fellowship and communion with God. This is how Enoch lived. He lived in the closest communion to God. It wasn't a little bit of God to do you. It wasn't God on Sunday for him. He lived close to God every day. He was a lot like Paul. I want to know him in the power of the resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. It's like Paul in Philippians 1:21, "I want to go and depart and be with the Lord, but I know to be here with you is better because I'm helping you, and I'm in this battle. I want to go home to be with God. This is how Enoch lived. He'd lived just like that. He's a man that loved God. Enoch diligently sought God, for the Hebrews passage says, that without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. I could imagine Enoch was an incredible, powerful man of prayer. I can almost see him. Long beard. Rugged. Strong. Not like these wimpy guys today. Oh God, deliver us from wimpy men. This rugged Pillar of faith. This man of God who could pray heaven down. When you got in his presence, you knew you were in the presence of a man of God. He walked with God in closest intimacy. He had a prayer life. I can imagine him crying tears for the ungodly world around him that was perishing. I can imagine he prayed to God and called upon God when he was being persecuted for his message. I I, I think he's just an amazing man of prayer a man of spiritual hunger. To walk with God means I've got to meet God. It means I believe that He is the God. He's a living God. The Bible reveals Him. And that we live, we seek to live in unbroken fellowship with God. Also to walk with God means, listen, are you listening? It means that we seek to live a holy and godly life A life of separation, a life completely different than the sinful world around us. That is a clarion call from Scripture for the Christian. I'm certainly not talking about isolation, but I am talking about Bible separation. God calls us to live different. Our marriages are to be different. Our children are to be different. What we do, what we don't do, the choices we make, are to be spirit guided, word of God governed. We call this our our practice of our our our, our, our faith and conduct is led by the word of God. In your own time, I won't read it, but in Ephesians four seventeen to twenty four, if I had time, I would. I will. I won't read. Paul, Paul said, I insist, and I'm paraphrasing, I insist that you no longer live like you used to live. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it means. You don't live that way anymore. You're a child of God. Sin has been broken off your life. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I insist that you don't let, let none of that even be named among you. This is a holy place, and we're to be a holy people. Coming to this place is different. Amen. Listen, think about it. To walk with God means... That we live a holy, godly life. We seek to live a life that honors God. The sad fact is, we have a multitude of people that claim something they don't have. Only God knows what they really have. But if you walk with God, you will not walk with Him in darkness. You will not walk with God in darkness. But you will only walk with God. You have to come to His side and walk in light. The clear teaching of a man who sat around the campfire with Jesus who is the disciple whom Jesus loved should know what Jesus taught. Here's what He said. If we say, if we, say we have fellowship with Him if we're walking with Him if we say it and we walk in darkness, that's sin. We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, that's righteousness, that's holiness, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Enoch walk with God. Titus tells us this. The grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. We, we know how the world lives. We don't expect any more from them. They're lost. We're the church. We're the church. We should live soberly. Righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. John said it this way He that has his hope in him purifies himself, even as he's pure. I can tell if you're looking for his coming. You can tell if I'm looking for his coming. How can we tell? By the way we live. By what? You know, in the Old Testament, When they were coming out of Egypt, they girded their loins. They were ready. We need to gird our loins. We need to get away all the stuff that's cluttering us. And we need to get our eyes on the sky. Jesus is coming. Enoch walked with God. He walked with God during a very dark season of the world's history. Secondly, and the last two will be much shorter. Not only did he walk with God... Enoch spoke for God. Enoch was a prophet. How do I know? Look at, look at this on the screen, Jude 14. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. He prophesied. Let's, let's, let's get his message. Is he going to have, uh, uh, you're, you're, just, you're just a good old guy. Is that going to be his message? Is he going to have a message? You're a champion. Is that going to be his message? Let's get it from the prophet's mouth. He prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. It's interesting that 4,000 years ago or so, a man was preaching about the second coming before the first coming even happened. Now notice his message. Notice the prophet. The Lord's coming, verse you won't hear this in most pulpits in America. Verse 15, the Lord's coming to execute judgment, judgment on all, and to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and from all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking after their own lust. And they mouthed great swelling words, flattering people to great advantage. I divide this message into four. The message was, first of all, about the saints. The Lord's coming with the saints. The saints are saved. Even in dark days, the saints are saved. He said the the Lord's coming with the saints. So that means those saints that died, they're with the Lord. They're safe. Your loved ones are with the Lord. We're safe. When we leave this planet, we're not going into oblivion. We're not coming back at some lizard, you know, and then a cow and whatever else, you know. <laughs> we were in India several years ago, and Jason was there with us, and Jason can testify. Those people have, uh, there's more gods in that place. I was wore out with all those gods. Incredible. My friend, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He says it's about the saints. And then it says of us today that that we're going to be caught up and our loved ones are going to be raised out of their bodies, out of the grave, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. It's about the saints. Also about the second coming. It's also about sin. Notice four times in one verse he uses the word ungodly 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 so what does that mean that means that he he would be if Enoch was here today he would be dealing with the evil that's happening in our nation he would be confronting the evil he would be speaking out against the the ungodly leaders of our land he would speak out against the abortion he would speak out against the gross immorality he would speak out against the failure of marriage the the lack of parental leadership to lead their kids He would speak out against drugs and alcohol abuse. He would warn people. He would do the same thing because those things are ungodly. And you say, well, Jesus would never do that. Well, you've got the wrong Jesus then. You have the wrong Jesus. We, many of these preachers, have turned Jesus into nothing but a hippie in flip-flops. Throwing out little empty mystical platitudes. No, no, no. Listen to what Jesus said. John 7, 7. The words of Jesus. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me, it says. Because I testify. It's Jesus. I testify of it that its works are evil. Words of Jesus. And they hated him. Because you think Enoch was holy? No. No. He was a man striving to be holy. Jesus is the perfect, sinless, holy son of God. And men were under deep conviction. And he testified of the religious leaders' hypocrisy. And, and taking advantage of widows. And... and, and abusing the house of God to where the Gentile courts were merchandise, And he turns over the tables and said, you've, you've turned my father's house into a house of merchandise, and this is to be a house of prayer. Jesus is different than you think he is. He's the powerful, courageous son of God that when those leaders were confronting him, he had so much power and so much control and so much determination, he said he wouldn't even answer them. He just looked at them. And they said, don't you know that I have the power to grant life or take life? He said, you have no power. The only power you have is what's granted by God. He walked with God. He spoke for God. and He was taken away by God. He was taken. And they couldn't find him. He went looking for this man. This is a powerful man of God. This is a man of God that shook the world of that day. Unbending, uncompromising when it comes to the message of God. Oh, Enoch, just calm down a little bit. Be a little more politically pleasant. No. This is what God has said. Why was he translated? I think one of the reasons he was translated, he lived so close to God, he lived such a life of surrender. that he was more home at home in heaven than he was here. You ever have those moments in your life where you just like just get burdened down and your your heart just longs for your real home because this is not our home anymore. We're strangers and pilgrims. He walked so close to God. God said, You're closer to my home than you are yours. Let's go home. And he was taken up. I think also the Lord translated him. It was a great encouragement to the believers of that day. And it's certainly a great encouragement to us today. But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope of salvation for God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep that we should live together with him therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing In these, the closing days of time, what joy the glorious hope affords that soon, O wondrous truth sublime, he shall reign King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming soon. He's coming very soon. With joy we will welcome His returning. It may be morn, it may be night or noon. We know He's coming soon. Do you know who wrote that song? A man who his father was black, his mother was white. He lived early 1900s, lived in Michigan, later moved to Eureka Springs, Arkansas at 62 years of age where he lived out his days as a hymn writer. You could see him on the streets back then handing out songbooks of songs that he was selling and, and, and writing and spreading the gospel through song. And he wrote this great song. And Jesus is coming soon. the signs around in earth and air or painted on the starlet sky god's faithful witness declare the coming of the savior draweth near he's coming soon He's coming soon, with joy we will welcome his returning. It may be morn, it may be night or noon, no, he's coming soon. I want you to bow your heads, Tori, if you would come play. Father God, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace and your compassion. We thank you for this man named Enoch. Who walked with you. Who spoke for you. And you took him away. What a man of God. What a lesson of faith, a man of prayer, a man of passion, a man of preaching, a man of hunger, a man of holiness. Oh, he challenges our hearts today, Father. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person in this room. I pray that you would take this, your word, Work it into our hearts as each one needs it. Maybe someone here today has never come and been born again. They've never called upon the Lord and been saved. Lord, I pray they would be saved today. Maybe, Father, there's those that once walked in close, intimate relationship with you. And somehow they've allowed the world to come in And stain their heart. And Lord I know there's those here today. This this message has stirred in them a longing for home. They love you. They're walking with you like Enoch. But their hearts father they reach up to you. And long for that day when you'll catch us away. I pray you'd sanctify this moment. Draw us close to thee, Lord. As we wait in his presence, as our heads are bowed, quietly, reverently, in the presence of the Lord, I'm just going to give this call, and the Lord, you know what you need today. You know what you need. If you simply just say, Pastor, I need prayer. I I need prayer today. The Lord knows what you need. If you need prayer today, just slip up a hand and just let me recognize it. Just, God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. Pastor, I need prayer. Are there others? I just need prayer, Pastor. The Lord is speaking to my heart some areas. Thank you. God bless you. As Christians are praying, just flip a hand. You're just saying, pray for me. The Lord knows your needs. We're not seeking to embarrass anyone. That's not what church is about. But if you need prayer in your heart today, just flip a hand. You're just saying, Pastor, remember me in this prayer. Anyone else with these hands that have been raised? God bless you. God bless you here also. Jesus. Anyone else before we pray? Pastor, just pray for me. I'm in a great spiritual battle. I know the Lord loves me, but I'm struggling. Please pray for me. If that's you, just slip a hand up if you haven't already. Jesus. I want to ask everyone that will to stand. Everyone please standing. Here's what I'd like to do. The church is a family of God. The church is different than anything in this world. It's the body of Christ. We're so connected. We're connected differently. We're not connected by finance. We're not connected by ethnicity. But we're connected in spirit. We're connected in heart. Now think about this. Everyone that's a child of God across this room, no matter who you are, the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. And the same spirit that lives in you lives in me. That makes us closer than blood kin. Do you understand that? We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Heaven is going to be an amazing place. Next week in our class in Revelation, we're going to be in the seventh chapter where that sixth and seventh chapter where every tribe, every nation washed in the blood. Here's what I say. Many hands are raised. So that means there's needs. I want, If this doesn't embarrass you, I want you to join hands with that person next to you. And we're just going to take a moment and I want you to pray. For those that are around you. Those that raised your hand. We're praying for you. Pray for grace today. Father we ask in the precious name of Jesus. That special grace would be given. To everyone who raised their hand today. Lord. You know. All of us. Every single child of God in this place. Knows what it is to struggle. Knows what it is to fail the Lord. Knows what it is to struggle with sin. But Lord, you have been gracious to each of us. And we pray for that same mercy and that same grace and that same anointing to be poured out to give our brothers and our sisters strength. Lord, for everyone that raised their hand, I pray for a special touch. You reveal your love to them through the cross. That, Lord, as they read the Word of God this week, they would feel spiritual strength and nourishment coming into their heart and their soul pray, God, that you'd take away the condemnation that maybe they feel in their own hearts and let them know when the blood of Jesus touches them, that stain is gone. That sin is gone. And if we confess our sins, he, our God is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that everyone that is struggling with sin, that has failure in their life, that right now they would confess that to God. They would repent and they would look to Christ. And before they leave this place, they would feel clean because your blood and your spirit has touched them. I pray for special mercy. No matter how far down we are, you can lift us up. You are the fourth man. You are the fourth man. And Lord, I pray that you would build this church strong on this hill. Give us all we need to proclaim your great gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can let that hand down. I want to sing this little hymn one more time, and then we'll let this be our conclusion today. It's been a joy having you with us. Those that are visiting with us, God bless you so richly today. It's such a pleasure to have you here. But he's coming soon, he's coming soon With joy we will welcome his returning It may be morn, it may be night or noon We know he's come One more time, he's coming soon He's coming soon, he's coming soon, with joy we will welcome his returning. It may be morn, it may be night or noon. We know he's coming. I would challenge all of us as we conclude in prayer, keep your heart ready. Keep your heart ready for his return. Our Father and our God today, it's been a joy to worship with your people. It's been a joy to declare your praise and to share in your good news and your word. I pray a grace and blessing on this Trinity Life family. I pray the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ And the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you today as you're dismissed.